Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. It's Thursday, October 6th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Missouri's state commission designated to advocate for Hispanic and Latino populations quietly disappeared 14 years ago. Some say there's a strong need for it to come back. Too bad that the commissioning is no longer together. That's really sad, actually, because they need a voice. We will have that story in just a few minutes. Missouri's income tax is slated to go down in the coming months, a big priority for the state's Republicans. But as St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports, some critics are questioning whether the plan will benefit working-class Missourians. Governor Mike Parson signed legislation that reduces Missouri's income tax from 5.4 percent to 4.95 percent. The GOP chief executive says the move makes sense, especially since the state has a record budgetary surplus. No matter their background, their income, or job description, they will see a reduction in their tax liability. Democrats, like State Senator Lauren Arthur of Kansas City, say the savings for working-class Missourians will be relatively small. If we have, you know, any number of economic issues, the the go-to solution is tax cuts. Parson also signed a bill authorizing a slew of agricultural tax credits. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. The Democratic candidate for the Missouri House District that includes Rolla says the legislature should not have passed that income tax cut when education is not fully funded. Retired teacher Lisa McCarthy says Missouri should be doing more to fund education and take some of the burden off property taxes. So here we are talking about income tax breaks, changing the income taxes, making these cuts, and yet we're not putting enough money into the foundation formula as it is. McCarthy says the state claims it fully funds education only because the legislature changed the definition of fully funded in 2016. She made the comments on Politically Speaking. That episode is posted at stlpr.org. The two major party candidates for Illinois governor face off in front of a live audience tonight. Alex Degman reports. Governor J.B. Pritzker and his challenger, Republican State Senator Darren Bailey, will debate each other at Illinois State University. It'll be their first time in front of a live television audience as they seek votes ahead of the November 8th election. A national team from Nexstar Media is handling production. They're also responsible for debates between Beto O'Rourke and Greg Abbott in Texas and John Fetterman and Mamet Oz in Pennsylvania. Every television market in Illinois, plus those that reach it, including St. Louis and Terre Haute and Evansville in Indiana, has a station broadcasting the debate live on the air and online. And it's not available to stream live anywhere outside of Nextar platforms. It starts at 7. I'm Alex Degman. St. Louis's mayor wants to use at least $40 million in pandemic relief funds to improve street safety. Tashara Jones says the money would support a citywide mobility and transportation plan. The proposal follows public input from town halls, an online survey, and discussions with community leaders. Traffic improvements are usually determined on a ward-by-ward basis, but Jones says that system is not working. In an op-ed for the Riverfront Times, she calls for structural change in how the city maintains its streets because many people do not feel safe on St. Louis roads. The U.S., Europe, and Japan may soon get a spray version of the COVID-19 vaccine. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports Washington University 
has licensed the rights to make it to a Pennsylvania company called Ocugen. The COVID-19 vaccines currently licensed in the U.S. protect people from getting really sick or dying from the coronavirus. The scientists say the nasal spray version could keep people from getting sick in the first place. That's because the vaccine's administered into the upper respiratory tract, where the coronavirus enters the body. WashU researchers began developing the vaccine early in the coronavirus pandemic. It uses deactivated cold viruses to deliver therapy to cells. The vaccine was first licensed to a company in India where it became the first nasally administered COVID-19 vaccine in the world. Ocugen will soon begin its own clinical trials for the vaccine. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. We're having a party this weekend, and I hope you'll join us. Celebrate 50 years of St. Louis Public Radio at 50 Fest this Saturday, October 8th. Enjoy live music from the St. Boogie Brass Band, Point of View Jazz Ensemble, and DJ Creme de la Cray, plus food trucks and family fun. Admission is free. Join us Saturday from noon to 6 p.m. Information is at stlpr.org 50fest. Hispanic Missourians used to have advocates built into state government thanks to the Bipartisan Governor's Commission on Hispanic Affairs. It was introduced in late 2003 and basically disappeared about four years later. Cassidy Arena reports. It's been 14 years since the state has had a functional governor-appointed commission assigned to address issues facing Hispanic and Latino Missourians. Also since then, that population has seen a more than 40% growth. At the Business After Hours Social hosted by the St. Louis Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, attendees say events like these that support Hispanic communities are integral to their professional and personal growth. Attendees like Gabriela Ramirez Arellano, who says there's a need for more state efforts like these. We're barely like scratching the surface on the needs. Ramirez Arellano is an entrepreneur who served on Governor Mike Parson's Show Me Strong Recovery Task Force last year. It was created by executive order to alleviate some disproportionate pandemic pressures on underrepresented business owners. And so for me, it was important to be at that table to advocate for like the struggles that we have. That executive order mentioned something called the Hispanic Business Trade and Culture Commission. That was active under former Governor Matt Blunt. It was earlier known as the Governor's Commission on Hispanic Affairs under Blunt's predecessor, Bob Holden. Either way, the commission doesn't meet anymore. Oh my goodness, they don't? That's Beatriz Kamet-Chin. She had served as a commissioner based in Colombia and has since moved out of state. She hadn't heard about its disappearance. Too bad that the commissioning is no longer together. That's really sad, actually, because they need a voice. The last time documents show the commission met was 2008. It was technically still in existence, but activity stopped sometime during the transition to the Jay Nixon administration. Some commissioners were assigned in 2008, but there were no meetings set or directives from the governor's office about what commission responsibilities would be. Six years later, in 2014, Nixon lessened it to a committee. That expired within the year. Commission co-creator Carlos Orta says there's less government influence associated with the committee. So if you don't have a voice, the government doesn't know about this population, they're going to be left out of opportunities. Not because people don't care, they just don't know. Orta and the rest of the commission prepared annual reports throughout the years they were active, which they then presented to legislators. Their goal was to act as a direct link to lawmakers and show how Latinos were contributing to the state, and also what they still needed. In their preliminary research, the creators of Missouri's former commission found states surrounding Missouri have pretty successful Hispanic commissions. 
Nebraska, Kansas, Illinois, and Iowa. Iowa's Commission of Latino Affairs, among other things, helped establish a statewide helpline for Spanish speakers called La Línea de Ayuda. Caleb Knudsen had been its chair for more than two years. He says the fact that Iowa's Latinos have a commission gives them teeth. You know, if we were just some committee that got put together, some nonprofit, that's us on our own legs. But when people hear that we are governor appointed and we get an official letter and an email with the stamp and seal, that matters. People care about that. Back here in Missouri, former commissioners say they are willing to help whoever steps up to start a commission again. And St. Louis resident Gabriela Ramirez Arellano is trying. To be able to be at the table and provide and share some of those experiences as challenges or as best practices, it helps the state actually acknowledge and realize that there are other people besides English speakers that they need to help. As of now, there hasn't been any major development to reestablish a state commission designated for Missouri's Hispanic and Latino communities. I'm Cassidy Arena. Cassidy is a reporter at KBIA in Columbia. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. And kudos to Ryan. He's been named to the St. Louis Business Journal's 40 Under 40 class of 2022. I'm Wayne Pratt. Have a great day. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.